0: Hey everybody, it's Connor here. Welcome to the HooperCast. Uh, This is episode 277. Dustin is back this week, so it's good to have him back. Welcome back, Dustin. Uh, We're going to review the film Minari tonight, as well as the 2020 remake of the Alfred Hitchcock film uh, based on a novel, Rebecca. And we're also going to talk about some film news items, including the exit of Johnny Depp from the Fantastic Beasts series and what he got paid for his work. On that film that he exited, and also a couple more stories from the industry regarding the pandemic and its effect on the film landscape. Enjoy the episode, episode 277 of The Hooper Cat. Movie Hour. To the Hoopercast, welcome back, Dustin, to the Hoopercast, sir. Hey, back from your sabbatical.
1: Back from my sabbatical
0: for episode 277
1: of the yeah, show. Yeah, that was my plan. Yeah, 277 is my lucky number. They <laughs> you've been, uh, you've been out for a bit.
0: Uh, I think everyone's pleased yeah, to weeks. hear to hear you speak to hear you speak, hear your voice.
1: Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello. Ah. I have returned. Ah. Ah. I,
0: uh I, I was doing that. I was on the phone with John, and I was, I was, I was doing something, and I, it, it went from Takeda to, to Seth Rogen, and I couldn't, and then I, <laughs> then I couldn't get them unstuck from each other. It'd be like, "Yes, Captain, we're approaching oh the, uh, the, the, uh, we approaching the dispensary."
1: <laughs> <laughs> ah. oh my, oh my, I, I am very high right now. weirdly their voice is like right around the
0: same area they they really are like if you if you just if you decide at a certain point that they split towards you know stoner and like super educated man you know it uh that is the split that is the split (laughs) um all right we've got uh a split of our own to talk about tonight and uh actually a couple of splits um to talk about what the hell does that mean I'll I don't you, know. Tell you in a second. Imnashemelon. <laughs> um, well, I'll give you one of them. Let's um, let's talk about the split. So we we like to uh, we like to cover um, a number of subjects on this show all the time. Um, yeah. And actually, when I, I didn't do it today, but uh, normally I will tweet out all these news stories uh, on my Twitter page. Uh, mm-hmm. So if you want a sneak peek of what's what's going on on the show. News-wise, you can follow. Yeah, I mean, I'll speak for myself, Dustin, but they can follow either of us on Twitter, and uh, yeah. they can at least follow me to get news, to get film news stories. It's at Connor underscore Dempsey, and uh, and I tweet, but almost exclusively about movies. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, I like I said, I didn't do it this week, so but it's it's been out there. Uh, so we like to cover. We like to follow series on this show. We tend to follow up on on things that we talk about a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. And one of those things is the Fantastic Beasts franchise. Yes. Uh, And so speaking of splits, we've got Johnny Depp uh, exiting the franchise uh, during the filming of Fantastic Beasts 3. Yep. uh, In the wake of his loss, of his libel lawsuit against The Sun about uh, them calling him a wife beater. Yes. Uh, So... not really here to litigate the case. Sure. Just more to sort of update people on uh, a couple of interesting things about it. So, you know, big deal. um, Him being him being uh, you you can go. Yeah,
1: sure.
0: Johnny Depp has been spending lots of time and money in court trying to prove that he is not a spousal abuser. Um, And whichever way the case goes, I think there's he's appealing this libel suit mm-hmm. um but it's been bad press for yeah, like a totally. couple of years and uh and so fantastic beast doesn't really need more bad press after what's going on with jk rowling which you've also talked about on the show mm-hmm. and um and just being a warner brothers property doesn't need any more bad press and right right just being a horrible <laughs> idea in general doesn't need any more bad press
1: correct just Um, just just fraught full of bad ideas
0: just you know the 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 email went to the box and the guy was like what now
1: right (laughs) what could this
0: possibly be (laughs) oh great uh the case went the other way so um so he he's he's not gonna be in the film he was asked to resign he was not fired because warner brothers did stand by him um, when everything th- there was a lot of uh, backlash to continuing to cast him to continuing mm-hmm. to keep him in the franchise yep. and jk rowling and warner brothers were both like hey we stand by johnny and um you know these are allegations and you know wh- yep. but pretty much what we always ask studios to do or we we always wish that these entities would do is just like Look, these are allegations. Let's 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 let the courts decide it. In the meantime, let's all just right. you know move on because if business
1: as usual, if yeah. they
0: if they prove to be unfounded, you don't want to have to have made dramatic changes in a franchise or someone's yeah. career. Yeah. Um, right. So again, he's not been convicted of any wrongdoing or anything. He just lost a libel case. So it's it's yeah. like an it's like an indicator, you know. Yeah. Um, regardless, bad press. Um, he will not be appearing in the upcoming third Fantastic Beasts movie as uh, Grindelwald. Uh, the main villain, uh, the titular villain of the second film. And um, he only filmed one scene and you may think, Oh, poor Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp's a millionaire. Right. And uh, even if this was his first movie, he'd be a millionaire because he received full payment for this film. Wow. Did you know this? I did not know that. This is on IndieWire. This is this this is recently they wrote this after closing time today. Uh our, our buddy Jack Zach Sharf again writing these uh these these uh gangbuster articles. Uh, mm-hmm. full eight-figure salary that he was set to earn reprising wow. his role of Grindelwald um after filming one scene. Um Depp and Warner Brothers announced November 6th. The actor was resigning from the franchise after losing the libel case against the Sun. So this is the... Here's the report from The Hollywood Reporter. Um, The quote is, Warner Brothers will be on the hook for Depp's full salary even though he only had shot one scene since production began on September 20th in London. Like many A-list stars, Depp had a so-called pay-or-play contract which requires that he be fully compensated whether or not the film is made and even if it is recast. As is mm-hmm. common with stars of his level, there was no morality clause in his contract. Even though it was amended with each new installment, technically Depp was not fired by Warner brothers, but asked to resign it is yeah. unclear what recourse it would have had. If the star refused, I don't know what recourse it would have had at all. If there's yeah. no morality clause, but
1: right. Right.
0: Anyways, they were like, just, just, just walk away. So we don't have to fire you. He's like, okay, right. give me that money. Sure. Sure yeah. thing. Yeah, obviously. Right. Um, so, yeah, they, they anyway, they goes on to talk about his involvement in Fantastic Beast 2. Um, yeah, we thank Johnny for his work on the films to date. Fantastic Beast 3 is currently in production, the role of Gellert Grindelwald will be recast. The film will debut in theaters worldwide in the summer of 2022. Mm-hmm. So, because now they have to recast the villain, so yeah, gonna yep. push it back even further. Um, so yeah, uh, maybe that pisses people off to hear that, um, especially if you you know, believe that he abused his wife, um, as then wife, um, it might infuriate you. It might infuriate people, you know, no matter what to think like, Oh my God, like eight figures for one day of work. But that's just, I don't blame the guy for, uh, you know, I mean, they, they always tell you like, when you, when, when, like, like I've been told this, but (laughs) right. right. But they always say like, look, when you're hot, you hike up your rate because this might be it. Yeah. And he's had an incredible run as a hot commodity. And even though he's not as like popular, like with broad audiences, his, Mm. his, his dollar amount is still up there. Oh yeah. Make no mistake.
1: Yeah, absolutely. His name still brings some clout. And, and I mean, look, I I think, I, I think of all of like the group of friends from college, I think I'm the only one that actually saw fantastic beasts two. Um, but uh, you might have been <laughs> I, I'll say this like Fantastic Beast 2 had a lot of problems. Johnny was I think one of them, but he wasn't the biggest one um but uh, but yeah, I mean it's always weird when you see a, a, a prominent actor, uh, get recast in a franchise like this. And so, you know, you think about Harry Potter, like, yeah, of course it happened with Dumbledore after chamber of secrets. Um, but, uh, and, 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 and to be fair, Richard Harris and Michael Gambon both portrayed that character very differently, um, both in terms of their aesthetic choices, um, you know, what, what the directors had chosen for them to wear and for the, you know, their, their, you know, beard stylings and, and all this other thing, uh, that that um it, it was certainly uh something worth talking about when it happened um uh, but that's really the only major like recast in in these franchise uh in, in this wizarding franchise um and so it'll be weird though because what's what's interesting is there's a precedent you saw fantastic beast one right i saw perhaps yes i did so so at the end of Fantastic Beast 1 and I guess this is a little bit of a spoiler we realize that um that our our that Grindelwald has been in the movie the entire time right he's just been played by a different actor the entire time and then and then suddenly it's Johnny Depp's face at the end of the film yeah. and and we're like oh okay. Um, and so now, we've, so there's a precedent for like him being shape shifting and, and changing his appearance. Right. I, I would imagine they'll just write something in like, uh, you know, I don't know. It, it I don't know albus dumbledore knows him from you know way back so maybe there's a scene between the two of them and dumbledore says like show me your real face or something and then they use the i don't know and you know (laughs) like there's just gonna be something like that there's gonna be an in-story reason for him to look different you know Um, this
0: wouldn't be the last time that johnny depp jude law and colin Farrell were all all involved in a shape-shifting face uh replace the actor fiasco would it (laughs)
1: yes they were they were it was the imaginary of dr parnassus right it
0: was after heath ledger died they they shot everything outside the imaginarium and yeah. they had the three of them come in and finish the role and it was really sweet at the time and no one had been fired yeah yeah yeah. right well, no one had been fired here no one had been asked to leave for alleged right. spousal abuse yeah um yeah. uh p- bad big, bad pr that's a big hyphenated sentence everybody
1: i really want to make sure my my right, and right, Q's right. on on how i couch this <laughs> yeah yeah um but yeah, so I mean, uh, they'll they'll do something, and and I, I would imagine there will be an in story reason because the the change from somebody as big as Johnny Depp to anybody else is going to be a a pretty noticeable change. Yeah. Uh, Richard Harris to Michael Gambon, I mean, uh, they're both known entities for sure, but none of them have the Johnny Depp name, um, and so um, yeah, I, it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. But but let's not forget like. Uh, my interest level for fantasy Beast three is already rock bottom. Um, like it cannot possibly get lower. The only way it could get lower is if they said two Ezra Millers were in the movie. That's oh. the only way that I would hate it more. Oh, oh. Um, but um, anyway, that's a lot of Ezra Miller hate. Sorry, guys. But um, but I will say, like um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, and good for Johnny Depp. I mean. Uh, I guess I would walk away too if somebody asked me to walk away for eight figures. I okay, yeah. sure. Yeah, I'd have to be real super passionate about that thing to refuse it.
0: Listen, and, and let's not forget, like it's not like just oh, you know, I'm walking away. Give me money. It's like yeah. the studio signed a contract that said in yes. the event of recasting or whatever. Like yep. they, they when they cast him, the agreement yep. was he will be
1: paid up front for yep. these films. Period, And the high paid lawyers went over it. Like it wasn't a secret. It was something they agreed to and, and, and they knew it. And so, yeah, yeah. I mean, Johnny's well within his right to get that full compensation.
0: It may be disgusting to people, but it's the entertainment business and your, your worth is subjective and it's really hard. I imagine to put. I mean, it's hard enough like as a freelance editor or any sort of freelance creative to try to put a dollar amount on your value because, yeah. you know, maybe if you're doing like below the line work like editing or, or yeah. filming or whatever or writing, you know, your whole thing is like, well, well, screenwriter is not below the line. But like if you're writing, I don't know, a novel, whatever, you're doing creative sure. work, you're trying to demonstrate it's somehow in dollars what your contribution is worth Mm -hmm. and it's can be really hard to do that until you just break it down like, well, here's the amount of money per hour I want to be able to make doing this thing. And, um, plus the amount of, you know, extra little fairy dust that's that, that that makes my, what I do special and how many other people in the area can do my job. And it's just, so when it comes to acting, it's like, when your face sells a movie you get while the getting's good and, yeah, totally. And, and I mean, Downey did the same thing with, with Civil War. They are like, hey, we yep. want to put you in Civil War. We got rid of the guy who is too cheap to pay you. Um, he's yeah. like, oh, cool. Um, I want this percentage of the back end if it makes this much money, because if it does, that means that my face <laughs> sold it. And all the lawyers were like, okay, sure, that sounds fair. They and agreed to that's it. That's it. And Downey made like $50 million off of Civil War yeah. or something crazy like that because yeah. it broke a record of the yeah. previous two films. And it's, yeah. just, it's just business. And it's the internet. <laughs> entertainment business it may seem disgusting to everybody else but to me it's just you know it's
1: it's real easy to sit on this side of it yeah it's well it's easy to sit on this side of it and say like these actors are overpaid and okay sure fine whatever but at the end of the day like if your face makes you know billions of dollars Mm -hmm. for another entity uh yeah i would want some of that too yeah and uh, and so yeah, I mean, I, I that's just the way that it is. Um, I remember I remember having a conversation like this in school once, and and one of the professors had taken a um, had taken a stand. You know that that it was that the actors' salaries being hiked up over the years have eaten into what the creatives are able to do budget wise because the 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 actors take up so much of the budget. And, and I just remember being like, well, that's true, but keep in mind, like the creatives have the choice to pick that person or not. They're not, they're not like, oh, well I have to use Johnny because it has to be Johnny. They pick Johnny because he's the best man for the job and that's what he charges. And if people, if the last guy paid it, then there's no reason for Johnny to slash his prices for the next job. You know what I mean? Yeah. so yeah, I mean, I, I have no problem with that.
0: Actors, actors waive their rates too, if the project, if they're really passionate about it, like yeah, um, yeah. like uh, Hugh Jackman did it for Logan. So that they could get so they could keep it rated R because they were worried Fox. The only thing Fox was worried about was was box office returns. Yeah. And he said, well, all right, well, would it help if I only made this much? And they're like, yeah, sure. There you go. Yep. And it and it and you would got a great film out of it. It would not have been as good of a film. He would have made more money if it had been PG-13. Yeah. But it wouldn't have been a better film. And right. so sometimes that stuff is worth it, but it's really only if you're a big successful actor that you can even afford to make those concessions. And even then you don't do it that much because you got to, you have to convince everybody like, no, I work for this amount of money, Yeah, you know, unless it's a film I wrote or I developed or my best friend is directing, like, Well,
1: and and it's the same thing on the on the low end of things. So, you just graduated from college, and you're a a graphic designer. You you might cut your buddy a break, but you you have to be aware that if if I do that, then the next person, you know, may find out that I charge that for that that same, that basically the same amount of work for this guy, I charge this much. And for this person I'm charging more. Um, and so, you know, you have to just kind of stick to your guns and say, this is what I'm worth. Um, a famous example of, of, uh, of that on the director's end of things. Um, Steven Spielberg took no salary for Schindler's list. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, sort of a famous thing He that he said it would, it felt to him like taking blood money. He wanted to make the movie because it was a story he wanted to tell and um and so you're right like when when you're passionate about it that's an easy concession to make but you do have to be aware that every time you make that concession your value goes down
0: yeah yep yeah um speaking of um Value going down, and also our second split story of the <laughs> night uh, on Variety: Disney to lay off dozens from studio division. Did you see this story? Yeah, I saw this. More layoffs impacting more than 50 employees in the studio's marketing group, the New York-based theatrical division, and Searchlight Pictures. Several hundred open positions have been eliminated as well. So half the time it's like, oh my god, 500. It's like, yeah, they're just. I mean, yeah, that's like 250 current employees, but it's also like we're not gonna we're were going to hire twice as many people and now we're just not going to do it. So right. Exactly. Positions were eliminated. Um, yeah, earlier in the day, same day, um, that Disney owned ESPN announced that 500 positions would be eliminated to free up resources Mm -hmm. for streaming, digital and video departments. I feel bad for ESPN. They keep getting gutted too. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's just the entertainment industry in the pandemic, you know, yeah. you, you, you gotta slash, I mean, there's, a lot of people they're paying and a lot of revenue they're not getting uh yeah
1: absolutely yeah and and you know yeah disney's like an easy target and everyone's like well look at all the people they've already laid off yeah but they're a huge corporation yeah like it, i i'm curious to know what percentage of their staff they've laid off because it's a big number yeah but percentage wise how big is it actually Yes see, uh, and here's, so here's a,
0: here's not an answer to that question, but a similar sure. piece of information. Lionsgate on Thursday reported that 15% of the studio's motion picture group would be laid off due to the pandemic. Last yeah. week, Sony Pictures enacted layoffs to its marketing and distribution teams as the studio consolidated domestic and, and international film and television operations, resulting in about 35 positions eliminated. Wow. Um... Yeah, so that's just a little weekly uh, depressing news for you there about the, about the industry, right? You know, right. It's it's, uh, it's it's tough times. It's tough times, and you know, you like you said, like oh, it's a big studio, you know, like it. The, the flip side of hearing that, of hearing that, is why can't they keep them? Because they have a lot of overhead.
1: Yeah, they have to oh, pay
0: yeah. so many people. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, speaking one more thing of money, um, but while we're still in film news. Paramount is making more money selling off their new movies than putting them in theaters. Mm. This is on movie web. Did you see, did you happen to see this one?
1: I did not. It was
0: related to this coming to America sequel that I forgot okay. that they made. Yes. Um, so let's see. So it, it, this is you know, more pandemic stuff, but, uh, um, Paramount pictures has managed to make lemonade from lemons as they have made millions from selling some huge planned theatrical releases to streaming services such as Eddie Murphy's coming to America. Oh Jesus. Coming mm. to America. To America. Wow. The number two, according yeah. to a new report, Paramount has earned in total around $450 million in 2020 from its first quarter releases and selling some titles to streaming services. At the beginning mm. of the year, the studio was off to a promising start as Sonic the Hedgehog was a box office hit taking in $146 million domestically. Then the theaters were forced to shut down in March and, um, And then Paramount has managed to adapt in the short term, at least. The studio has unloaded several high-profile releases for large sums of money. Most recently, Coming to America was sold to Amazon. The much-anticipated sequel's price tag was said to be $125 million. Oof. For that movie. Yeah. Paramount Jeez. also sold two movies to Netflix: the trial of Sh- of the Chicago Seven, a likely Oscar contender for fifty six million, and the Kamal Nanjani and Issa Rae comedy, The Lovebirds, in the twenty to thirty million dollar range. Uh, sold the rights to SpongeBob: Sponge on the Run, an untitled Ryan Reynolds movie, and looking to cut a deal for Michael B. Jordan's Without Remorse. Mm. Um, so yeah, they, they go on. It goes on to say. Um, You know, it's it's hard to know what they would have made uh, in theaters under normal circumstances. Um, This article says there's no chance Paramount would have made it anywhere near 450 million in the theaters. Yeah, yeah. Um, So this is sort of more in the conversation of what is going to be profitable to them. straight to streaming or even theatrical exhibition. Now it does say what we have been talking about for weeks and months on the show is that they're probably going to, who said, whose quote is this box office analyst, Bruce Nash, Bruce Nash.
1: That's a nice, nice reporter name there. Yeah. Um, I'm Bruce Nash. I'm Bruce I'm Bruce
0: Nash. And that's the rub. (laughs) uh he says quote so far i think paramount has done a good job making the best of a difficult situation they're still holding on to the big films like top gun maverick and quiet place Two that they need to get a strong box office performance from but finding some form of replacement for the months of lost revenue that they really needed after the poor results last year Mm -hmm. um so yeah i mean there's it's like we say there's going to be some sort of mixture, some sort of split in the middle that's going to probably happen going forward, which is you're going to keep big tentpoles that are not really temples anymore with all this new business model. Yeah. Um, you're going to keep, get the biggest films in theaters because people are – because they're events – yeah. everyone said yeah. the theaters are going to turn into just these big event movies. There's going to be no more small films in theaters. Right. Well, that kind of turned out to be true. Yep. Um, yep. not the way that people thought, um, because right. the event films are going to be the ones that people go to theaters to see for the most part, and then the ones that they are sort of not sure about sell it to a streaming service and then yep. make a make, make your money, make your money, and then you know people like us do might have more access to them for yeah. less money out of our pockets. Yeah, um, I'm not sure. I'm so. I don't know how a streaming service can sustain itself just buying that, movies all the time. That's what I
1: was time. just about to ask. It's like, is like this seems like an even worse the, deal for the streaming services than it was for the theaters.
0: You know how like they say like there's the triangle. It's like it's yeah. like you could, you can have like two of the things on the triangle and not three. Yeah. Oh, So it's yeah. good for the theaters or it's good for yeah. the studio. It's good for me. It's got
1: to be bad for, Oh, it's bad for the streamers. Correct. Did they not realize this? It has to be because, because here's <laughs> the thing. Okay. We paid $400 million for this movie. Great. Cool. Fantastic. But here's the problem with that. Where are we how, making for, <laughs> how are you ever going to make that back? Like that, that is an insane amount of money to yeah. think you're gonna make that back. You wouldn't have made that back in theaters. You're certainly not gonna make that in new
0: subscribers. No. And so then the next the next thing is, oh, are they gonna hike their prices up? Right. To what? Because if you jack yeah. your prices up ten dollars a
1: month, people are gonna leave. Totally. Gonna go, Screw it, I'll just rent this film. Right. Exactly. Maybe they're playing the long con where they're like, "All right, we'll jack it up a uh, dollar this year, a yeah. dollar next year, a we'll dollar the year after,
0: and then we'll you know, we'll just
1: <laughs> right, right, do the whole thing, here. and then we'll, well get golden parachutes." Well, right. Well, see, this is the thing. Like with the with the. the- theater um, exhibitors uh they at least made a little money like it was basically nothing on each ticket sold but they at least made something so there was like a guaranteed return on investment for at least some amount but like yeah with these streaming services I almost feel like is there anybody out there that like is undecided on whether or not they're going to have Netflix or Hulu or Amazon or whatever. Like, Haven't we all already decided what we're going to have?
0: What do I want to use? I just can't decide. It's going to be one of them. I need more time to pick. I think everybody's already...
1: Bruce Net. I think everybody's already like decided this, and and some people like me are like, I'll have one of everything, I guess, and some people are like, I've got Netflix, that's all I've got, I'm done, yeah. you know, and so it's like, how are you making any any money here? No, I don't. Know. I, don't know. I don't see. I don't <laughs> see. It. I I cannot see, like. I just can't see anybody who's like, I, I am going to subscribe because of coming to America. Yeah. I, it, it's beyond me.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I just think the same thing. I was like, what? what, how, how in the world does that movie fetch $125 million price tag?
1: I have no idea. Some it makes no sense. Real good lawyers.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. Real good lawyers. Real good. Okay. well, that that that's, the rub. that's um, the rub. That was the rub from Bruce Nash. Bruce Nash. Boss Nash. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Boss Nash. <laughs> <laughs> I got to take my headphones off.
0: That's the rub. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we should uh, we should sprint to the break there. Um, we should. When we come back, we're going to talk about a, a film. A film, a film, a film, an, an actual film <laughs> from Bruce Nash, not from Bruce Nash,
1: not from Bruce Nash.
0: I had a teacher who talked like that. Her name was Miss Dawkins, and she, she t- everything's made of protein. <laughs> 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 I hope she's uh, listening, uh, and I hope she sticks around after the break. Be right back on Hoopercast Movie Hour. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you uh, want to know what Dustin and I talk about during the break uh, you will never know ever um, but you can uh, come very close to getting that feeling by listening to the show ad free and you can do that by becoming a patron on our Patreon page patreon.com slash and if you contribute a three dollars a month um, you will get the shows ad free you get the ad free RSS feed and um, On Apple Podcasts Or you can just listen Straight through Patreon But there's no commercials And uh, that's less than a dollar a show Not that much So if you enjoy the show You want to support us Even if you don't care about ads Or you love ads uh, Do it anyway Just throw us uh, Throw us a little Three dollars a month And support the show Uh, Again Social media handles At Connor underscore Dempsey And uh, HooperCast All over the place All over your body Uh, (laughs) Dustin (laughs) what is the film we're talking about tonight please stop me
1: talking about the film minari
0: what a wonderful day to be in the house of the lord if you're here with us for the first time please stand what a beautiful family glad you're here how's
1: your daddy like that new farm he growing things good doing things right
0: Yes. So, Minari
1: is um, a film by Lee Isaac Chung. He actually wrote and directed this film. Um, now, you guys um, probably don't know Lee Isaac Chung, um, but I think I think you should. Um, he he's done a few like shorts and then a couple little things here and there, but um, but this is his first big. Thing um, and and it was released for the first time at Sundance Film Festival back in January of this year, and I, and I think it had a, a a release date for 2020, but I don't think it'll hit that. Um, so I'm not sure when anybody's going to be able to actually see this film. Um, but I watched it at um, a film festival, and so um, I thought it would be uh, worth bringing up so you're going to hear sort of an early review i mean i know a lot of people have seen it but this is an early review yeah um so, Lee Isaac Chung um, has written and directed this film, which stars um, Stephen Yun um, and a bunch of other people that you also don't know. Um, now, the film is about a um, Korean American family that moves to a little farm in Arkansas. Um, Stephen Yun plays the father of this household, and his dream is to start a garden, a huge garden of Korean uh, fruits and vegetables that he can sell and uh and that's his dream and so what this is doing is causing a lot of tension obviously in his marriage um because she doesn't really want to live in arkansas and he's got two young kids um uh uh, his oldest um a girl and his youngest is this little boy who kind of steals the movie um and then um throughout the course of the film and you'll see this in the trailer if you watch the trailer um that um they they invite his wife's Mother to come live with them, and so she's this kind of uh, cantankerous, foul-mouthed, uh, very traditional Korean lady, and um, and these kids are kind of stuck between um, you know what was once a traditional Korean household, but is becoming more and more Americanized, and so um, it, it's a really um, great story of. Um, an immigrant family that's trying to find its place in America. Um, And so I'm just going to go ahead and give you my star rating on this. Uh, I'm going to give it four stars. Um, I really, really enjoyed this film. I really wanted to give it five stars and I can't really point to anything that I didn't like about the film. So you could say like, it's, it's four and a half maybe, but it's, um, it it, it doesn't, um, I guess it just didn't quite connect with me as much as I had wanted it to, um, but there's really nothing wrong with this movie. So, um, uh, of course, Steven Yeun is fantastic all the time, um, and his performance here is probably the best of his career. Um, and then, and then, like I said, The Little Boy steals the show. Um, the Little Boy is played by Alan Kim, uh, and I'm not sure how old he is, but uh, he's he's. Quite young, but he's a very good actor, and uh, and if you ever see any, like you can just YouTube Alan Kim and find some like interviews with him, and he's super charming and and cute, and uh, and so he, like I said, he steals the show, um, but the film. As much as it's about Stephen Young, it's also about his son um, dealing with, you know, his grandmother and his son has some issues. So you really get a nice sort of double arc in this film. Um, It's like a dual protagonist kind of thing, even though the boy um, doesn't the son doesn't really have much agency. Like he's a kid. He does whatever he goes, where his dad says to go and does what his dad says to do. But he, you know, sounds um, like he
0: listens to his father.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, for the most part. Um, but this huh. a fantasy <laughs> I, film, Dustin. You, you, you bitter there? Uh, <laughs> um, but he, he's, um, you know, he's got a nice little arc, and so um, yeah, I think, I think this film is. I, I think the best thing I can say about it is it doesn't spoon feed you anything, um, and in fact, I feel like there are some people who aren't going to get enough out of this film, um, and 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 maybe that's a t- just. Personal preference and what your tastes are. Um, for me, uh, I really enjoyed the ambiguity here and some of the non answers that we get um, or, or answers that we don't get um, because it, it makes it feel realistic, right? Like one of the writers' big question marks always is how much exposition do I give the audience? Um, and, and a lot of times when it's like a husband and a wife talking there, there's like a shorthand there. And there's a, a a way, like, you're not always going to say like, well, you're just sad because your mom still lives over in Korea. Like, you're not going to like spell Spell it it out out in an argument. You're just going to say, you're just, you're just mad because your mom. Right. And, and the audience now listening to this as a, as this weird fly on the wall we don't know what that means, right? Um, and and I enjoyed that. I, I enjoyed the fact that they didn't they didn't spoon feed us this exposition dump ever. Yeah. It was we're going to learn about these characters as things come up naturally in conversation. It's a very naturalistic film in that, that way.
0: That always to me separates movies. Like even even when you like the actors and the premise, eventually. Yeah sometime in the first act you come across a scene that's just full of exposition and then and then that's where I go, oh, this was this is not gonna be a five star film. Right. Because we're spoon feeding information. So on a certain level they've decided on to take to take one step down the podium of manipulation and, you know, better films keep you guessing. What is he referring to? What is that talk? Yeah. And and it's it's not like real fly on the wall where you would never actually know exactly what they're talking about a good screenwriter yeah. feeds you that dialogue right where you need it if you're paying yep. attention and yep. all the pieces are there yeah and you're right more naturalistic it, it just it's it's better it it, it it it's better for attention span and it's just better it's just better to experience in general
1: it is and and it feels it feels real it feels like these characters um are are speaking the way that they would actually to one another. And so that, that heightens this sense of like you being, um, you just kind of like walking into what a family is talking about. And, and, you know, there's a fair amount of, of that here. So, um, there's a, a a friend that, um, Steven makes and, and he's an American guy and, um, and he's got his own eccentricities, but he kind of starts to spend some time with the family, but, We kind of also feel that way. Like we feel like we've stepped into this trailer that he's bought and and there's just like this foundation in this marriage of bitterness and of, um, you know, like uh, just indifference. But we don't know why, and we don't really know where it comes from, and and and. But we're just experiencing the the outpourings of it, not the internalization of it. Because, and I think one great thing is like the characters themselves don't necessarily know where it comes from, um, and and I, and. Don't you find that that's true sometimes? when you have a relationship with somebody uh, there's like this foundation and you guys both know what's going on, um, which is maybe you're both angry, but you don't really always know why you're angry and and you don't really always know like what it is that just stuck in your cross today. And like, that's, that's, it just feels real. And so I've got to give massive, props to Lee Isaac Chung for for having the 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 guts to write two characters where they can argue and scream and fight but never never at the expense of the realism of it and and like it never he never breaks he never breaks the fourth wall to give us information and it's just so great um it it, it it's got colorful characters and there's all kinds of great stuff in here. Um, there, what this Korean family has to go through is stuff that maybe I never would have thought of. Right. So the film is set in the eighties, I believe. And so it's like, um, you know, what, what would it have been like in Arkansas in the eighties for a Korean American family? Um, who, you know they're trying to find a place for themselves, and so there's a a, a segment where they go to church, and um, the the churchgoers are are all well meaning, but they're asking questions that are a little bit cringy, like um, you know, just a little too personal or a little too like I, the, again, they mean well, but the questions are I don't know maybe a little racist even, um, and, and and but it's not. But it's it's never like the that movie where then there's like a soapbox where, you know, the characters fight back on that. It's just kinda like that's just how it is. And yeah. and the family just accepts it. And and it's almost got like a, a level of like um Of sadness to it because in in a lot of like Hollywood movies, generic Hollywood movies, you'd have that moment and then you'd have like, you know, the wife say something that puts them in their place or or you'd have something like that, but you don't get that here. It's just kind of like as a Korean American family in 1987 or whenever this is, you you didn't, you didn't say anything. You weren't empowered to fight back against right, that. Right. And so, and so like you have no voice, even, even as you know, people are extending an opportunity for you to have a voice, you have no voice. Yeah. Um, and, and it's just such a, um, it's just such a great film. Um, uh, I think it currently has a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. And from what I'm hearing, there's a lot of buzz around Steven Young um, yeah. possibly receiving an Oscar for this role. Um, if he received a nomination, he'd be the first Asian American to ever be nominated for best actor in a leading role. Um, which is pretty, pretty highbrow for a, a, a guy that was once on the walking dead. Right. And, uh, and, um, Anyway, look, it's just such a good movie, and and I highly recommend it. Um, This is one, again, you may not have an opportunity to see this in theaters. I I don't know when you would, and even if it does come out, you may not still feel comfortable to go, Um, but when, when you get the opportunity, whether it's VOD or if it eventually is on Netflix or Amazon Prime or whatever... Um, it's, it's just, it's a good watch. And, um, and I don't say this about very many movies, the film's 115 minutes. I would have watched another half hour of this. Like I I would have watched more of this. And and, and it's just such a, that's a, that's high praise too, because you do always want to leave the audience wanting more. Mm -hmm. Um, that's the old adage and and I definitely wanted more not enough for a sequel don't give me a sequel but I definitely would have watched you know another half hour of this and um And so, anyway, uh, A24, you guys are on a roll. No kidding. And, uh, and, and, you know, between this and, uh, the farewell was A24. And anybody who has listened to the podcast know I I love the farewell. And so I, I love the A24 is giving voice to Asian Americans and, um, and allowing them to, um, tell their stories, um, maybe where hollywood wouldn't normally and so um it's just fantastic uh it's it's a fantastic movie so uh minari i I highly recommend it and uh again if you get a chance to see it please do
0: absolutely it's a stellar review dustin
1: yeah
0: um all right we have some time uh this was not on my agenda but uh it is on my list of things watched and i waited until you were back to bring this up and okay. then forgot i was gonna bring it up uh so uh here i am uh bringing it up tonight mm-hmm. uh the film is the 2020 rebecca
1: ah okay okay never seen a house like this oh i'm sorry i thought you'd been a lady's maid this is all very new to me oh, i'm sure you won't disappoint him madam if that's your concern
0: we did a lot of entertaining when the late Mrs. De Winter was alive.
1: You can talk to me about her I have no secrets from you.
0: All marriages have their secrets. So Rebecca this version, have you seen the original?: No okay, I have not seen the original. so I'm reviewing this as someone who has not seen the original uh, Alfred Hitchcock okay. film. Um, this is a this is not the first remake of Rebecca it um, uh, it's been remade It's been made a few times um, Has it really? I didn't even know that I believe it's been made a few times okay. um, Rebecca is based on a book I don't God, I don't have this stupid information in front of me I don't know why I don't do that I gotta stop <laughs> doing that um, Is it saying the thing? No Alright well forget it uh, Yeah so Rebecca was directed by Ben Wheatley Wheatley um, This is a Netflix film Mm-hmm. And I guess they're technically adapting the novel like they all, sure. all these you know do. Um, and it's about a young woman who, um, begins this really quick whirlwind romance with a rich, uh, widower. And, um, she moves in with him they get married and then she comes home with him and to like his family manor. Um, but she is. Wish I had a manner. Very yeah. I'd call it. <laughs> I'd call it bad manner. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> You've had her bedside manner. Bedside manner. Bedside manner. <laughs> <laughs> um, she comes home with him and quickly um, is fe- is made to feel uh, inferior to his late wife. By, um, by him in a way and by the staff that works at the house. Um, so I didn't want to watch this. My wife showed me the trailer and I'm trying to do this thing where I like do what she wants to do. Um, Mm -hmm. and so, uh, in trying that out, I watched Rebecca and, um, and, of course, when I heard it was a Hitchcock remake, I almost reflexively didn't didn't watch it. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad I watched it. I would give it three and a half stars. Okay. Um, I don't know. I thought it was well-made, uh, and I thought it was thrilling. I haven't seen I, I didn't know anything about it. So part sure. of it is just the novelty of the plot for me, um, which if you've seen the original or read the book, you won't get. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't understand the critics' ratings for this. This is um, people were sort of writing like, well, the the remake doesn't really come close to the blah, blah, or it falls flat or whatever. I was like, I don't really feel that at all. Um, Mm. especially considering this is closer to the plot of the book than the actual, uh, 1940 film, um, which was altered to be made more palatable for audiences. Because at the time we had the infamous Hayes code, um, the Hayes, uh, well, I can't, I can't remember what the actual name of the Hayes Code is, um, the, the, the proper name, the paper, the name on yeah. paper. Uh, it's like the American Hayes films, code. you know, uh, yep. like morality code or something. And it was, if you don't know what it is, you should, you should read about it because it sucked. It was pretty much this law that you couldn't put certain things in movies. It was a censorship law.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it, uh, it went away eventually, but at the time it was still here. And, um, And pretty much in the book, uh, a character is a character murders another character um, out of kind of out of a passionate anger. Mm -hmm. And. um, But you, boy, I'm trying to dance around. (laughs) This is an old book. It's an old film. So Mm -hmm. um, I guess I'll just say, oh, geez, but I, I didn't know. Wow, I'm sure. in a real pickle here, Dustin. Do I spoil? <laughs> do I spoil the? Uh, 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 one of the main characters murders another character, um, okay. and and you uh, are made to sympathize with the main character ultimately, or mm-hmm. at least for a time. And at the time, the Haysco Code was like, "No, we can't have a murderer be liked."
1: So mm-hmm.
0: you need to figure out something else. So they made it. They made it in such a way that the murderer was acting like in self-defense or something. So it changed the entire like third act of the film where this character is put on trial for, for being involved in this death. And mm-hmm. you're thinking like, Oh, they're going to get you, you know, um, boy, I'm really dancing around all this. Uh, <laughs> I just, I hate, I hate saying, it. and the character goes I know. with the character. So, um, the film, I didn't even talk about the stars. I'm sorry. The film stars, Army Hammer and, uh, and God, my darling Lily James, who they cast <laughs> in everything to make, people love her and she is the unnamed woman. She doesn't have a name in the book. She just, she becomes, uh, Oh geez. What's the, what's the actual character's name? Um, uh, Oh geez. Uh, De Winter. She becomes Mrs. De events eventually, but she's always referred to as, you know, like, or, or the former Mrs. De, the wife is Rebecca's referred to as the former Mrs. De Winter, And so, you know, mm-hmm. people call Rebecca Mrs. De Winter to Mrs. De Winter, and so it makes mm-hmm. her feel like. But I'm I'm Mrs. DeWinter now. I, I'm yeah, the yeah. captain now. Um, right. But it's uh. So it stars the two of them. Um, Army Hammer is Maxim De Winter, the the widower. Um, and I think the standout performance of this film is Kristen Kristen uh, Scott Thomas as Mrs. Danvers, the head of the
1: uh, mm. the
0: head of the staff in the in the house in Manderley. Um who is how who we learn gradually is has sort of like a a really unhealthy attachment to the late Rebecca. And you don't really know the exact nature of it uh, for a good while. Um, and she seems to be the one who is conspiring the most against um, against our protagonist. Uh, mm-hmm. Whether it's by just subtly making just su- subtle digs at her appearance or comparing her very, very, very subtly to Rebecca, how much everyone loved Rebecca, how much the staff respected her um, or by by um, subterfuge and sabotage when mm-hmm. Mrs. DeWinter tries to make her husband happy and. Um, and it's, it's, it's so hard to watch, you know, from, from her perspective, just everyone kind of icing her out because she's make she's doing all these faux pas that are sort of set up and executed by Mrs. Danvers. Um, and I think the woman, again, I don't have the names in front of me cause I'm a horrible host, but the, <laughs> the actors who played Mrs. DeWinter in the original, or sorry, Mrs. Danvers in the original film, apparently she was also like a standout. It's a really mm-hmm. good role. Yeah. And, and, um, uh, and it's done really well here by Kirsten Scott Thomas. Very, very, very good performance from her. We've also awesome. got uh, Anne Dowden here uh, briefly um, in the first act as this uh, woman that Lily James is like the ward to for a little bit before she meets Army Hammer and goes off to uh, live with him. Um, I, again, I, I, it's on Netflix. I think if you've seen the original Rebecca, I think it's worth seeing. i i i I just think it's really well done i thought it was shot well i thought it was not over explained same thing with the dialogue it was Mm -hmm. you know maybe a little bit of exposition but like it's based on a book you know what are you gonna do yeah yeah um but i thought it was really well done of course if you've never seen the plot before i'm just like what's going on you know
1: Right,
0: right um it's, it's creepy. Is there a ghost or is there, what's, mm-hmm. what's the nature of this attachment to Rebecca? What happened yep. to Rebecca? The nature of her death is kind of mysterious. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and what the film ultimately is trying to say at the end. Um, I don't, I don't know what exactly the moral of the film was in the 1940s one, but in this one, it seems to be sort of like a weird, um, modern statement on, you know, when to, when, when to not stand by your man, uh, mm. in a way, but it, it works. I think here at sure. least it's like, it's, it might be a weird statement for this property, but it's sure. not out of place. It's, you sure. know, if, if you're going to put characters in this situation and give it some sort of, not even a modern sensibility, because it's not like they change the plot. They don't change the plot. The plot's the same. Yeah, yeah. It's more yeah. just the way they couch it. It's like, Okay, do you want to end up like this, though? You know, like, it's like, you could do all that. Um, just just think about it like this, though. Um, and right. it's, it's pretty subtle, I think. It's not like beating you over the head. Feminism. It, it shows right, people sure. making not good choices, perhaps, mm-hmm. for understandable gotcha. reasons. And I, I don't know. I like it. I don't know. I'm talking about it yeah. enough to where I'm convinced. Like, I don't know. I enjoyed it. Um, I think people Sweet. should watch it. It's on Netflix, uh, so you can check it out pretty much for nice. free.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I wanted to check it out. I I, I do love the original. Um, it's one of the one of the first Hitchcock movies I saw. And I haven't seen it in a long time. I do have it on Blu-ray, mm. um, but I have not seen it in a long time. And I thought when I saw it on Netflix, I was like, I'm, "I want to rewatch the Hitchcock version first, mm-hmm. and then and then see the new one." Because I do think, because I'd heard that too, that it, it goes back to sort of the original novel. Yeah. Um, it's it's more of a remake of that than of it's like a readaptation of that rather than a remake of hitchcock's film yeah. um so i'm interested in it um i just have not checked it out yet and that that, that can
0: happen sometimes with, with novels and where they you know you adapt it and to make it more marketable or more palatable for an audience you change the ending it happens all the sure. time in, sure. in, in in adaptations even with yeah. graphic novel, even with watchmen you know like you, we, it, yeah. it happens all the time and you wonder sometimes people and people who love the books always complain about that like the ending and it's because book people are used to digesting stories differently there's a lot more complexity in books sometimes and hmm. when you mass market a film there can't be that much And so you would never get an adaptation of a book that was not mass marketed to appeal to a wide audience because it wouldn't be worth optioning the book and paying for the rights and all that stuff because you wouldn't make the money back. So it's a weird loop. It's like such and such, we're going to make the Dark Tower into movies. Oh, Mm -hmm. they're probably not going to be good because you're trying to sell them to a global audience. Right. Right. Um, and they're not a global book series. Sure. Uh, yeah. So good luck with that. And Go too
1: broad with something that's specific. Yeah. yeah.
0: And then you made one film and it tanked and so they're not making any more of those. Right. Done. That's what happens. So whereas you adapt something like It, which is already a niche, you know, it's it's pretty well known, but it's still a niche property. It's a horror property. Yeah. Well, if you make yeah. it into a horror film, you realize already your audience is limited. You, not, you can't really market it globally, but you can make... A, a genre that already um, is fairly niche, put Mm. an established IP in there and Mm. just do a good job with it. You can at least make a lot of money. Say what we will about how the films turned out, but but everyone, but you know, but but everyone kind of agreed like it was a good idea to do it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So uh, with, I, I, I like that they go, they pretty much went back and did kept the ending as it was in the book. Um, Yeah again especially because the last time you do it and and it, it was in the 40s and there was a there was a law that said you couldn't have the main character doing certain things it's like yeah pretty much a law yep. saying the character can't be too complex and we can't challenge the audience at all correct so um yep. wasn't that his only american film or one of his only like two american films hitchcock's i think it was his first uh, with because this was david o selznick
1: I think it was an early one. He he made he made quite a few American films, but that that was I think it might have
0: been one of his first.
1: It might have been, yeah. 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 That's a good That's a good Hitchcock trivia.
0: I, be- I believe when I read about it, it was his first his first American or first film, mm-hmm. either, I don't know, made in America or, or for American audience. I, I can't remember. I don't know. Yeah.
1: First American project. There okay. you go. What do they mean Look by that? Like like what do
0: they mean by that? Like first first
1: First, like Hollywood project. First
0: Hollywood, okay. For, yeah, because he, he had studio. made films
1: in in England um, for for so long, and they just and came over you, here. It, yeah, yeah.
0: Boy, when's the last time? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, okay. Well, anyway, that's Rebecca. Um, yeah, and that's the that's the show. I think for 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 this week. Sounds good to me. Yeah. Um, cool. We'll be we'll be back next week with more. Maybe uh, talk the Mandalorian soon. Yeah. Um, two episodes into that so far. Yep. Um, and uh, pretty soon The Crown is coming back on Netflix. So I'll be digging into that yes. as well. Um,
1: yes. Do you all watch The Crown? I do not.
0: No. Does your wife?
1: But I hear it's great. No, she doesn't. Oh, okay. Well, yeah,
0: I heard it's great. Man, I, I enjoy it. This season is supposed to be really cool. This is where we introduce uh, uh, Princess Diana and yes. uh, Margaret Thatcher. And uh, I saw the trailer recently and it looks really good. Okay. They're getting better at at making trailers for, for shows like this. And um, yeah, yeah. boy, it's good. Um, yeah. The Mm. woman that cast as Diana looks a hell of a lot
1: like her. I saw a photo. Yeah. It's crazy
0: there. And then, um, you see glimpses of Jillian Jacobs in there as Margaret Thatcher, who we haven't seen Jillian Jacobs. I don't believe since the X-Files. Yeah. Um, but she looks, she looks a lot like her. And I was explaining all this stuff to my wife and I was like, I'm actually really excited for, I, I always loved watching the crown, but this time I'm like, I'm really excited for this season. Yeah. Cause now we're getting into a time period that, that I'm more familiar with. I don't know all this crap that happened in like the fifties and sixties and Jackie Kennedy and all this stuff. But like we start mm-hmm. getting into Di- princess Diana and, and, uh, and, and, uh, and, and Margaret Thatcher, you start to, you start to dip into to my wheelhouse. Yeah, yeah. So I'm pretty excited for that. Sweet, cool. Oh, and Wandavision should be coming out anytime, any so soon. Maybe not this yes. month, but next month.
1: Yeah. Oh, and you know what? I'm going to start watching. What? This is something that I guarantee you, not a single soul listening to this has ever heard of. All right. Um. So in in when I was in middle school, there was a book series, a young adult book series that I loved to death called Alex Rider. And they now they have a series that uh, it's already premiered on Amazon Prime over in the UK, but uh, they're bringing it over. I think it starts this Friday and uh, I'm going to be checking that out. Nice. Yeah. Rider like 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 a horseback like rider. Ride? OK. Like, yeah. OK. Yeah. Yep. What does he ride? Uh, just, you know, snowmobiles and. atvs and no it's about it's about a young i'll i'll review it i'm sure but okay yeah yeah. it's 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 about a a young boy who uh inadvertently becomes a spy for the british secret service oh cool it's awesome that's awesome i loved it when i was a kid man it was like it's like a kid james bond but like i don't know Actual, it just felt like realistic to kids anyway it was great wow he's like 14 or something that's cool. cool Yeah, it was like right at the same age that I was, or maybe a little older than I was when I started reading the books. And yeah, man, I loved them. That's awesome. Yeah, that's cool. That's getting made. Got made. There, there was a film version. Um, you may so there was a film version uh, years ago, starring uh, Alex Pettifer, <laughs> and uh, wasn't that his name? And you know, it's, uh, that's his name. It's just, just, okay, it's just okay. It just sounds and funny, but it's real. Y- Yes, and it had uh, Bill Nye and uh, Alicia Silverstone and Mickey Rourke. It was it was a it was a time, man. It was not good though.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, Mickey Rourke was in it, so. Right, right, right. Cheap shot at Mr. Rourke. Yes. <sighs> All right. Anyway. All right, everybody. Goodbye, everybody.
1: Bye. <laughs>